morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. If you're in the room, would you stand with us as we begin this morning by telling our testimony of all God has done. If you're online with us this morning, we welcome you. Let's worship Him.
Amen. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, let's praise the Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad to be here today? Let's show the Lord how glad we are to be in His manifest presence. Let's put our hands together, really, and show Him how much we love Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I think of the testimony of Jesus. When He hung on the cross and died for us, gave His last drop of blood, died and went into, into hell and came back three days later. We just need to thank him every chance we get that he would do that for us, that he loved us that much. That's his testimony, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we could have a chance at eternal life. That's the testimony of Jesus. And I feel our testimony is that we're here today. We're lifting up the name of Jesus for all that he's done. We're thanking him for the things that he's done in our life. Amen. And praising him for the battles that he's won that no one else could win in our lives. Let's give him one more big hearty hand clap. He's worthy, brothers and sisters. Oh, isn't he worthy? What a mighty God we serve. And I noticed in that particular verse they speak of healing. And I don't know about anybody else. I've been healed divinely. And I'm so proud to say that to my father I'm proud. To Jesus the healer, not me. My wife has been healed. Is there anybody else here who's ever been healed by the Lord? Oh, look at all these hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for healing so many. And he's still in the healing business. Praise God. Uh, Elder friend gave me a verse here speaking of the healing of God in our lives. It's from the book of Acts, chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 12. It says, now many signs and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high honor. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see that today, that type faith? And laid them on beds and pallets, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were, this is the part I love, and they were all healed. That's the God we serve, brothers and sisters. Amen. Hallelujah. One more time. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is able, brothers and sisters, to heal from the guttermost to the uttermost. Amen. Praise God. Let us go before him in prayer. He says we can come boldly before the throne of grace where we can obtain grace and find mercy in our times of need. Who's needy today? Who's in need of a blessing? I know I am. I think every hand in the house is up. Praise God. The Lord is watching. He's honoring that. Dear Heavenly Father, our wonderful, almighty God, creator of the universe and everything else in between, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for yet another day. We thank you that you touched us with your precious finger of light, woke us up, clothed in our right mind, 
We thank you, dear God, for all your multitude of blessings, for showering us throughout the week with your loving kindness, your tender mercy, ordering our steps, not by our will, our way, which usually leads to trouble, but you've ordered our steps according to your word. For that we are so grateful. You have protected us. You've kept us safe, dear God, from danger seen and unseen alike. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you continue. Lord, let no weapon formed against us prosper. And may every tongue that rise up against us in judgment be condemned as your word has mandated. For you tell us in Isaiah that it's the heritage of your servants, your saints. For our righteousness is of you, not our righteousness. It's of you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We ought to be so thankful for that. That Jesus has saved us from ourselves. Father God, we ask that you bless all of Christendom today, all of the believers. Those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, please send somebody to go talk to them, to tell them the good news, so that they do not have to go to a Christless grave. Lord, we love you. We want everyone to love you, to know the joy that we're experiencing right now. Bless each and every person who is here today, dear God. Those that oh. There are several who are just not well enough to come in, but want to be here today. You know who they are, where they are. Bless them, dear God, where they are. We ask, Lord, that you bless especially our elderly and our youth, our most vulnerable, dear God. Father, we have people in our congregation who are lonely, who need a special somebody in their life. You see, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm sure that applies to the ladies, too. Lord, I'm asking that you send the right people into our lives that will help, dear God, them through their walk and take them out of the loneliness that they're experiencing. We all need somebody, dear God. We got you, but you want us to be out here two by two, like you sent the disciples out. I hadn't planned to say this, but you just put that on my heart. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you bless and help the dear people in the Ukraine. Save them, dear God. Raise a hedge of protection around them that the enemy cannot transgress. And, Lord, we just ask that you bless the rest of our service. We love you, Lord. We give you honor. We give you glory in every thought, word, and deed. We humbly pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And would you join me in saying amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hey, everyone. My name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. Lent is the season that gives us all the chance to reflect on our commitment to God and how we live that out in our daily lives. It's an opportunity for self-evaluation as we approach Easter. In preparation for that time, we are hosting Ash Wednesday services at both campuses. The Bear Campus service will be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., then 7 p.m. at the Ellesmere Campus. In addition, our District Superintendent, Joe Archie, will be speaking at St. George's Church at 7 p.m. Reaching out to our community to help meet needs is both a responsibility and a privilege that we take very seriously at CTC. Our food bank is an important part of that ministry. We're so blessed week by week as so many of you bring items to be included in the food bank. 
As a reminder, we can only take non-perishable foods as we don't have a means to refrigerate perishable items. Thank you so much for your ongoing support of this vital ministry. We are continuing to prepare for our upcoming trip to England from September 20th through 27th. If you're interested in traveling with us, there's a Zoom meeting scheduled for Thursday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. You will find the link to the Zoom meeting as well as other information about the trip by going to ctcde.church events. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you are here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Isn't it great, better than great, to be able to lift your hands and say thank you, God, for all the good things that you do for us on each day? Yes. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. God deserves a hand clap of praise. He does all the time. You know, if you're new here and you're seated in this room, As you exit the celebration room to your left, you'll find a welcome center. And if you're new here and you're online, I encourage you to go to the Connect Card tab. On the Connect Card, if you're online, you can click the New Here button and submit some information about yourself and all who are worshiping with you. If you're in the room and you're seated at a table, you have a Connect Card. And if you're seated at a chair, you have a Connect Card. On the Connect card, you list yourself and all who are worshiping with you. I think the most important thing about the Connect card is the opportunity to list prayer. Because during the week, we confidentially and corporately pray for your needs. If you're online, you can list your prayer requests on the Connect card. Um, Also, if you're online and you're interested in becoming a member, you can enter that information on the Connect card. If you're in the room and you're interested in becoming a member. And Pastor Vaughn over there, talk with one of them and they'll help <laughs> I was you out. Say, what were you going to say about that? He's patting me on the back. Thank I'm, you very I'm much. I'm signing. Yes, it's doing great. said I believe in signs and wonders. <laughs> <laughs> you are a wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so happy that you're here, Pastor. Hey, thank you, friend. And uh, yeah, let me offer my greetings to you as we gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is good to come together. The Lord loves to hear his people speaking in one voice. And even if you're online, your voice is part of our voice. Your prayers are part of our prayers together. And God hears us today. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'd like to take this time during our services. uh, And this is part of worship. It's part of Uh, understanding how things work here at Christ the Cornerstone. And I want to introduce you to a couple of people. I'm going to ask Darren if you'll come and Fran, or this is Fran right here. Gwen, I'm going to ask the camera to pan out a little bit so that we can, uh, I'm going to step down here a little bit. Uh, Gwen's going to come on over. Our church is, is, uh, the question comes up, who's making decisions in our church? Well, obviously I make decisions in our church. But we're governed by a church council. Uh, We call it Church Council of Lay Elders. 
And uh, I know in the United Methodist Church, we reserve the term elder for, for the ordained clergy, but here at Christ the Cornerstone, we apply that term elder to, to lay people, and we call them lay elders, because the role of the elder is to give spiritual leadership to the, to the people. And that's important. So we've got here, we've got Darren Waters is one of our lay elders, and then in the middle is Gwen Montague, one of our lay elders, and of course, Fran, um, Fran, can't remember your last name. Stone, thank you. <laughs> I do that all the time, you know. And I just wanted you to, you to see these faces and uh, if you want to see who the other lay elders are, there's a picture of each of them in the Welcome Center. So you've got to hunt for it, uh, but it's in the Welcome Center hanging on the wall. And uh, these, are the, these are the folks that we entrust to. We meet twice a month on Saturday mornings. At, at, used to be 5.30 a.m., but you get a new pastor, and he didn't want to get up so early, and now it, then it was 6.30 a.m., and now we've moved to 7 a.m. Anyway, but I also want you to know that when we, when we meet together for our meetings, it's a, it's a spiritual meeting. We, we spend at least 30 minutes reading a chapter of the Bible together and discussing it and seeing how it impacts our lives. And then we spend another 30 minutes at least praying together and then we get down to the business of the church. It is so important for us here to, to pray together, to make decisions in, in, uh, according to God's wisdom and God's experience in our lives. So I just want to want you to know to know that, and I'm grateful for the leadership that these that these folks give to us. And uh, you need to know who they are. Thank you guys for coming. And um, You know, just a, just a broad picture view of the vision that we have here. You know, our mission statement says we are here to love all people so that all people may experience the life-changing love of, of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. Life-changing love. That's what we want people to experience. And that's what everything we do is about people experiencing God's life-changing love. I love I, Vaughn, Pastor Vaughn asked the question, how many of you have been healed? And we all have been healed because God has created us, <laughs> our bodies, and then there are times in our lives when we, when we experience, when our bodies can't do it, when we experience God's divine healing that we can't explain, and we're so grateful for God's presence in our lives. That's what it's all about. And we do that in three ways. So this is another piece of the vision. We love, we love God, we love others. We serve. We serve the Lord by using our gifts and our talents and our abilities in serving others. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So you come here, and in our worship we serve God, but you go out from here, and then the rest of, your, the, rest of the church really starts uh, as you live out there, and we engage. We use the word connect around here a lot. We connect with one another. We connect with the world. We connect with God. So these are, these are pieces of the puzzle, pieces of the vision about Christ the Cornerstone. And I know several people are, are, have decided that they want to join the church, so I'm going to uh, throw this out there, that uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock here at the church, I'll be having a membership orientation class. And uh, it goes from 4 to 6. I'll be describing what I've just described in a little bit more detail. And if you're interested in learning more about what it means to be a member and to partner with us in ministry, I invite you to come this afternoon at 4 o'clock. We're going to do this periodically, so it's not the last chance you'll have to do this, but I just want to let you know about that. And then one of the, the other thing that we do is practice generosity. 
extravagant generosity because God has been generous with us. And so we want, out of our faithfulness to God, to give graciously and generously. We have some principles that we follow, and today we're on principle number 10. Let's say this together. We give cheerfully. And so a scripture that goes with this one goes like this. Let's read this together. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Who is God going to love? The person who gives cheerfully. And uh, so give cheerfully, whatever you give, whether it's your time, your serving, your, your, your resources, whatever it is. You've got an offering envelope to do that. You can give online. Uh, you can give regularly by setting up a regular giving. And uh, we worship God in that way. So glad you're here. Let's continue to worship our Lord. And I invite you to stand together as I offer this prayer. And the team will continue to lead us in worship. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we indeed do thank you for being with us today. Thank you for coming, showing up. Lord, we put our shoes on this morning and we gathered here. And we know you have preceded us. Thank you for warming our hearts, especially on a day like today. We love you, God. We want to worship you. Come and be present. In your name we pray. Amen.
seems like they are aimed at us for evil, which they probably are by the enemy, God can take them and turn them for good in our lives. It doesn't matter what they are. Amen? I'm sure that as many people who can testify of healing in this room can testify to that same thing. That the enemy brought something into your life that was meant to bring you down, but God turned it around and used it for something good in your life. Because he's always working for our good in every situation, in every circumstance. So Lord, we pray that you would remind us of that. It's hard to remember that when we get in those tough times. It's hard to remember that when we get in the times of desperation. But remind us that the battle is yours and not ours. And our job is to praise you and to see you work. So Lord, we pray today that you would revive us, that you would wake us up to the movement of your Holy Spirit in our lives and in this world. Father, make us hungry for the presence of God. Make us hungry for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And move among us with a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit now and every single day, Lord. We need that fresh wind. We need that anointing. We need your blessing. Move among us today.
fresh anointing, fresh power, fresh perspective. Bring it all to us, Lord. We are hungry for it. We desire it. We want it. We need it. So, Lord, we pray you would bring it into our hearts. And invite April to join me on the platform this morning as we prepare to move into the message. If you have uh, children that are going to kids' church today when we're done with our prayer during our bumper event, you can follow April to our kids' ministry area. They will minister to your children. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for speaking directly to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your written word, and your written word is important that we read it every day, that we chew on it, that we meditate on it. But God, when you speak to us in moments like this, it's even more special. So we thank you for that. We pray that we would hear what you have said today. Just like the the letters to the seven churches as we close our series today, the end of every one of those letters, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are open pray for our kids ministry this morning. We pray for April and her team that as they lead our children that God you would send your anointing and your blessing on them so that as they worship you and as they learn about you Lord that they would just take a posture of praise and worship in their lives. Bless our pastor as he comes to bring the message today. God we want to honor you with everything in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. God bless you. Thank you. trying to say something meaningful and nobody can hear me and I apologize online and it just ruins the whole thing but it doesn't have to ruin the whole thing I was I was saying that what we just witnessed with Debbie interrupting Bill was was simply the Holy Spirit uh, inspiring Debbie uh, and we trust Debbie that 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 when uh, she's moved like that that it's a word and we sang let all the people prophesy and sing and that's what Debbie was doing she was speaking a, a, a prophetic word of encouragement for the church, for the body. And uh, that's, that's what it is. That's what we ask God to do. And so we witnessed that uh, right now in a very simple way. I remember I had just graduated from uh, Asbury University. I was excited to enter into ministry. And I, was, I had gotten a job as a youth director at church. Okay, that's odd. 
I had gotten a job at a, at a church down in uh, Georgia, and my salary was a great big pile of $16,000. I thought that was a massive amount. Now, some of you may be... Somebody better check what that, I don't know what it is, but let's not, let's not pay any attention to it. Let's just keep going. Um, you might say that that's a lot of money, but you might say, well, that's not a whole lot of money. And indeed, at that time, it still wasn't a whole lot of money. And I thought everything would be okay. You know, I hate these interruptions. Two weeks ago, we had an interruption, too. And, uh, well, Bill's going to check that. Bill's going to work on that. And... Uh, but several months into the job, I had the opportunity to buy a new car. I had a 1976 Chevy Nova, if you're, if, if you're a beautiful car. But it was brown, and it had... Pastor Vaughn, I don't know who's knocking. I don't know what... Oh, Pastor Bill, what are you doing? He's not Jesus. <laughs> Pastor Vaughn, you need to remember we can hear what you whisper under your breath. <laughs> well, welcome. We're glad you're here this morning showing up. I'll, I'll let you. I thought that knocking was something, but I don't know what it was about, and I really didn't care, but you continue doing what you were, what you were doing. All right. Thank you for coming, though. Glad you're here. We'll see you. We'll see you later. Several, several months into the job, I bought a new car to replace my 1976 Chevy Nova. Remember, I grew up in upstate New York where a Chevy Nova was a great car. It had that nice tan pleather on it, and it didn't have any air conditioning in it. And that was fine for upstate New York, but I moved to south Georgia almost. I was about 18 miles north of the Florida border, and it was hot in that car, and I needed a new car, and I had this new job, and I had a new place, and so I had gobs of money that I could spend on a, on a new car. And so I bought the new car. Well, it was a used car, but it was my first car that I had purchased. And then I ran into trouble, because I didn't care about some things, and I realized money was getting really, really tight. And and there was a man in the church where I was working. He was a financial planner. And somebody asked him, you know, Roger needs a little guidance in his finances. Would you be willing to sit down with Roger and help him navigate some of these these things? And uh, so I didn't think I needed that. I thought, I'll figure it out. I'm fine. I'm a smart guy. I can figure these things out. But nonetheless, Buddy came to me. His name was Buddy. He came to me and he said, Roger, why don't you stop by my office this week and We'll talk about your, your finances. I think, you know, we might be able to help you out a little bit. I said, okay, thank you. And I just kind of, he was a kind of a, well, he was an old and crotchety kind of guy. He was a business finance guy. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it was kind of gruff. And I wasn't quite sure how he was going to treat me or whatever. So I went to his office. And he made me list down all my expenses, <laughs> which is the right thing to do, the good thing to do. But, and so under his thumb, I figured out what I needed. And he looked at the things that I was currently spending my money on, and he said, you don't have any health insurance. You need health insurance. And I thought, I don't need health insurance. I'm 23 years old. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm not going to get sick. Nothing's going to happen. That's what I think. And I don't remember the timing of this, 
but, but I hadn't been on that job very long. And the first youth retreat that I had with that group of people, we were down at, at somebody's lake house and we were water skiing. And while we were water skiing, I fell in the water, skiing on the water, and the ski popped up and hit me right in the mouth and busted this tooth right off at the gum line. And I didn't have any health insurance. But, and this was my excuse to Buddy, workman's comp paid for it. I was on the job. Yay, thank you very much for workman's comp. (laughs) But that wasn't good enough. And Buddy knew that I needed some health insurance just in case for those emergencies. And I didn't care one bit about that. Perhaps you have a similar story as a young person when there was something as as you were growing up, or maybe you are a young person and you're thinking, I got everything figured out. It's nothing bad is going to happen to me. That's one of the things about being young in our world today. We we tend to think everything's just going to go fine. And the truth is, it doesn't all the time. So as we get to this, remember that and remember those experiences in your life when you when you, there was a point in your life when you just didn't care about something, it just wasn't on your radar, it, it, you, you didn't feel good or bad about it, you just didn't think about it. Remember that as we look at our Scripture passage this morning, as we arrive at the final message in our series 7. Let's do a brief review. We started out with the, book, with the, the church in Ephesus, and in which God affirmed their patient endurance, but they have stopped living the life that Jesus has taught them. And they have to turn around and come back, as that Scripture said, to their first love. And then there was the the church in Smyrna, beaten down by the pressures around them. Jesus encouraged them that even though they are going to suffer, and we're going to suffer, the suffering will not last forever. So take courage, have hope, trust in what God is doing in your life. And he says, you will receive the crown of life in the end. And that was the city of Pergamum. And while they had remained loyal to Jesus, they allowed false teachers to come into their community and spread throughout the church. And he says, they are to repent and teach only the truths of Jesus, our Savior, our leader. Follow Jesus. Then was the city of Thyatira, similar to Pergamum, they allowed false teachings and they're told to hold tightly to those original teachings that Jesus has given to us. Then Sardis, the city of Sardis, had a reputation for being alive, but they were dead. Wake up. God has called us to be holy as God is holy, to live pure lives as Jesus calls us to be holy, as God is holy. And then last week we talked about the city of Philadelphia, the Greek city of Philadelphia. They were weakened by the stress and the strain and the struggle that they were experiencing. And we, we, we remember that this is just the beginning of this book of Revelation, that all of these people are experiencing tremendous suffering for having faith in Jesus Christ. We Americans have no idea what that is like. We are, we are protected in our faith by our government. And we should never take that for granted. And we should work to keep that truth in our nation. 
so that we can continue to worship freely and, and guard that right, that privilege for everyone in our nation. And, and, and that's, that's, we, 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 we are privileged because of that. But the city of Philadelphia was weakened by the struggles of, of the persecution from others that they were experiencing, but they remained obedient to Jesus. And Jesus says, I know you're weak, but take courage, for I am protecting you. I am strengthening you, and I will reward you greatly. Now we get to the seventh church, the church of Laodicea. And we're, it's in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, chapter 3, and uh, verses 14 through 22. Keep these things in mind, the great persecution that the church is suffering. And even though Jesus is writing these letters to seven different churches, we can, certainly can hear them and apply the lessons that each one of these has to our church and our churches today. And not only our churches, our own personal lives. Let's read, let's read this beginning with verse 14. It says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen. What's the, what, 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 what does Amen mean? Let it be so. That's, that's, the, that's the most basic. What did you say, Linda? The end? Yeah, we put it at the end as a, as a proclamation and our affirmation of whatever has been said, we agree with it and we want it to happen. Jesus is the Amen. He is the, the one who declares this is what needs to be and He is the one who also declares this is what needs to happen. What Jesus says. He is the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. God created the world in the beginning of the Gospel of John says He was in the world that the world was in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning, referring to who? Jesus. And it is a difficult concept for us human beings to grasp that Jesus was there in the beginning. But that's that's the concept, that's the idea. And Jesus was there at the beginning of this world, and Jesus is the one through whom this world will be recreated. Jesus is the one through whom your life will be made new again by your faith and your trust in Jesus. He is the one through whom these things happen. And Jesus says, I know all the things you do. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. And, and this phrase, I wish that, is not really a, it, it's not really a word. I mean, it's got a word, but it, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's an exclamation. And the best translation is, oh, that you were either hot or cold. And it's just that, oh. And you can't say that without using your diaphragm, without it coming from the gut. And so it's one of those guttural things. God deeply desires that you make a decision to be either for Him or go ahead and be against God. But don't sit there in the middle as if you don't even care. 
I didn't care who knocked at the door. It didn't matter to me. I didn't want it to matter. And that's what we're talking about this morning. He says, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm water, like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Another word for that is vomit. Again, a deep guttural experience. (laughs) I'll let your imagination go to work there. You're welcome. And you say, and, 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 and so here, here's a definition. We're asking the question, what does it mean to be cold? Or what does it mean to be hot? What does it mean to be lukewarm? And, and John answers the question for us. This is his description of what it means to be lukewarm. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Kind of sounds like, A young 23-year-old Roger who thought he didn't need health insurance because he was strong. He was healthy. I was making money. (laughs) A little bit. He says, what it means to be lukewarm is to say things like, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I need to tell you something about the city of Laodicea. The next phrases that we're going to see are very descriptive and speak volumes to the people of Laodicea. But as we have transpired in time from then till now, we've lost some of this context. So let me give you a little bit of context about Laodicea. Three things were happening in Laodicea at this time. They were, they were mining gold. They were refining gold. They were selling gold. They were minting coins. Another thing about and so you can imagine, the place where gold is prevalent, there's going to be a lot of affluence. You know, I'm not I'm not a native Delaware person, but I but but as I learned about Delaware, one of the things that I learned unique about our state is that it apparently is easy, and the state leadership has decided to make it easy for major corporations or for corporations to incorporate in this state. It's a pretty smart tactic for a small geographical area. And we all have benefited from that. If we're in Delaware, we've benefited from the financial industry that is here in Delaware. Money flows in and through this state like crazy. And there's a lot of affluence in here. And people can easily say, I have all I need. I don't need God. I'm self-insured. Maybe some of you are, and that's right, and that's good, and you ought to be if you have the means to do that. But be careful. Because when you rely on yourself like that, you're not relying on God. And that's a spiritual problem. So, there was wealth in Laodicea. The second thing true about Laodicea is 
for some reason, in that area, there was a certain breed of sheep that produced black wool. And so Laodicea was known for weaving fabric uh, and clothing out of that black wool. And it was unique. So, people who could afford it, people who wanted to be unique, people who wanted to show off their wealth and the Laodicean culture, they wore black. Because they could get it. And the third thing, so we got gold, we have sheep, and the third thing was, because something about the minerals in that area allowed the people there to discover an ointment that helped people to see better. And so they would sell, they would manufacture and sell this ointment called a poultice. Just means ointment. So these three things: gold, black wool, and ointment for your eyes. Now, let's look at verse 18. He says, "Because you think you're rich, you have everything you want, you say you don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you're wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind. Huh? He's just describing circumstances that they understand. And naked, so I advise you to buy gold from me. My gold is pure. It's been refined. You know that in the businesses, as they were minting coins, just like our coins today, we say a penny is made of copper, but it's not. It might have a little bit of copper on the outside. And so in the same way, in that day, they would make a coin that wasn't all gold. But you would be charged for the weight of that gold. But you didn't know if it was pure or not. And so God is saying, buy your gold from me because I will not rip you off. Trust your life to me. I will not rip you off. He says, buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also, buy white garments from me so that you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. And see, the, the, the image of white is, is not a racial thing. It's a, it's a purity thing. And so he's talking about their clothing. And even though their black clothing was probably pure, God is saying, I called you to be holy, so let me make you holy. Put on Christ, as other Scriptures say, and you shall be holy. And then the next phrase says, An ointment for your eyes, so that you will be able to see. By my ointment, listen to my instruction to your life, so that you will be able to see clearly through all the mud and the muck and the mire that, bring, that life brings to us. Unless you feel like you're being scolded or whipped or preached at, heaven forbid, let's look at verse 19. I correct and discipline everyone I love. We all have experienced, some of us more than others, but we all have experienced uh, 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 somebody who grew up without structure, without discipline, with, without somebody to take care of them. Tremendous challenges in their life. 
Everybody experiences suffering. But children who are, who are raised in an environment where there is no discipline, where there is no structure, where there is no teaching, fail in life. God created us to learn. They're going to learn something some way or another. Just like God created our bodies to heal themselves, and, and, and we do that, but there are times when we need extra help. And so, thank you God coming and giving us help. God created us as human beings to be able to learn. Just watch an infant. An infant is learning all the time. And, it's, and I remember with my own children, from, from birth to about four months, they just kind of sat there, in my opinion. <laughs> they pooped, they peed, they ate, they cried. Anything else? They roll over. They got that bald spot on the back of their head until they learn how to roll over. And then about four months, a light bulb goes off in their brain. And they, it's almost as if they, they begin to recognize that, hey, there's a person out there. And I remember both of my children looking at them at that point when, when I realized that they realized that they were looking at me. There was that awareness, and, and the eyes sparkle, and the, the, the mouth smiles. And what a beautiful thing that is. Thank God that He created us to learn. Don't stop learning, by the way. Never stop learning. And I'm so pleased and proud that one of the ministries of the church throughout all the ages of people, the church has been one of the agencies throughout the world that has educated people. And we need to continue to educate people because God created us to learn. So learn all you can about this creation that God created. It's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad that we have a school here. And we look forward to the day. Now we've got, we've got, we have a, a school for children from birth all the way up through kindergarten. Yay! But we've only got four girls in our kindergarten class. That's too few. We need some young men in our kindergarten class. They meet right below us right here in a beautiful classroom. And we have a vision and we have dreams for building a school or, or, or letting this be the school and building another facility. We've got 25 acres. Don't stop educating. Don't stop, stop growing. Don't stop learning. And I've got to learn some things if I'm going to lead us to that kind of vision. Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> right? Now, who does God correct and discipline? Those He loves. Correction and discipline are part of love. And, and, and when we see parents who... I, I say this... Uh, to parents, do not neglect spiritual teaching to your children. Because, you know, I've heard parents say, well, I'll wait till my children are grown up before they decide about God. And so they don't do anything. But in doing that, you're already teaching your children something about God. First of all, you're teaching them that you don't care 
about their spiritual life. And that's a dangerous place to put our children in. Well, we have laws that say to, say to parents who neglect their children physically, we have laws to protect children from that kind of neglect. And we live in a nation, as I said earlier, where we have laws that protect the parents' right to teach their children to worship the God that the parents worship. Now, I want that God to be Jesus Christ because I believe that Jesus Christ is the only, is the one and true God. And we've got to continue that. God loves us through His correction and discipline. And He says, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. What a powerful word that is, indifference. That means you don't care. Turn away from your lack of caring about these things. Turn away from it. You need to care about these things. Just like Buddy told me, you need to care about your health and your health insurance. Because there's going to be a day when you're not at work and you break your leg and you're going to pay for it yourself. And you're going to be in trouble, Roger, for the rest of your life, perhaps. The church in Laodicea is experiencing a crisis of care. The crisis is that they don't care about their relationship with God or others. And electric, I'm, I'm doing some electrical work in my house. I took down a, a, a part of my kitchen wall uh, to, to open it up into the dining room. And I discovered here's a, here's a spliced wire over here that was hidden back into the wall. That's not code, and that's dangerous. And then I took the wall down on this side, and here's another spliced wire over here. Just put together with some wire nuts and some electrical tape and packed back into the wall, covered it over with drywall. Whoever did that didn't care to follow the code. And my family was endangered because of their indifference. Don't do that to yourself spiritually, and don't endanger others by your indifference spiritually. Pastor Vaughn has shared his testimony in the past about a time in his life when the only thing he cared about was spending time with his buddies at the bar. He was a married man with children. And because of that, he put off paying the, insurance, the house insurance bill. He forgot about it. He didn't care about it. And he's, I'm not putting him down. He told me I could say this. <laughs> this is his testimony. And yay for Pastor Vaughn for admitting it and confessing it and not staying in that place of indifference. But what happened? The house caught fire. Everything burned down. And the in, in, insurance was not paid and they had no coverage. Don't put yourself in that danger. Care about your spiritual life. Don't say I got plenty. For, some people say I got plenty for retirement. I don't need God's help in my finances. Yes, you do. God has a plan for managing our money. 
The Laodicean church, as I said, was wealthy. It was a banking center. It had great affluence. They had money in the bank to spare. They didn't care. Don't say, I don't need God's help in my life. I just don't care. You are at a dangerous precipice. And the, the, the church in Laodicea was in a, in a spiritual depression. And they didn't even know it. It's called not only indifference, but apathy. They just didn't care. Now some of us are, are familiar with depression. I am. And one of the characteristics of clinical depression according to the American Psychiatric Association in their DSM-5, their latest edition of the great big thick book that psychiatrists and psychologists use to diagnose these, these mental illnesses. It says part of the characteristic of depression is a loss of interest or pleasure, at least to some degree. Individuals may report feeling less interested in hobbies, not caring anymore. Now, I am not saying that if you're experiencing depression, I am not saying at all that that is a sin. And I certainly am not saying it's your fault. I remember at a very difficult time in my life, I went to a counselor. He said, what's going on? And I told him. And his first words were so comforting to me. He said, Roger, that's depressing. (laughs) I said, You understand. You heard me. And so there are many circumstances that put us into a place of depression. But don't let it sink in. And and, and one of the experiences that those of us who have experienced depression, we just don't care. We don't care to get out of bed. We don't care to brush our teeth. It's just not important to us anymore. Some of us have been there. And and that's what this Laodicean church had, had fallen into. They just didn't care anymore. One of, the, one of my professors, Maxie Dunham, a United Methodist pastor, uh, did a lot of writing. And there's a book that he wrote called The Seven Deadly Sins. It was a, it was a, a study. <laughs> and I've preached sermons on that twice. I did a series of sermons on The Seven Deadly Sins. My son said, don't ever preach that series again. He had to sit through it twice in two different churches. I don't know, maybe we'll bring it out here some year. But anyway, apathy is one of the, what they call those seven deadly sins. Now I know the seven, the Bible doesn't list seven deadly sins. But this is apathy. With apathy, there is no emotion. There's no feeling for the other or another. There's, it doesn't even account for another person's existence. And apathy or indifference disconnects us from everybody else. And that's dangerous. God did not create us to live alone. God created us to be in community with one another. That's why it takes two people to create a child. Because two have to come together. And there is an immediate community. We call it family. And God has created you to be part of the family of God. Not to be alone. I remember a time when I was, another time when I was experiencing depression. I was in a grocery store. And I remember just moving through the grocery store as if, as if I was in this big cloud. And I, and I got to the checkout line with my stuff and I was feeling sorry for myself. And, 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 and literally, it was foggy in, in, in my mind 
it was foggy in the store. And a voice came into my head that said, Roger, make eye contact with one person. I said, but if I make eye contact, they're going to look at me and they're going to see my depression. They're going to see my... Roger, just look at somebody in the eye. And I I had to gather up courage to do that instead of glancing away when I saw people looking at me. So I got the courage to just look at somebody in the eye. And when I realized that they were looking back at my eyes, my world changed. That room brightened up. The clouds went away. Because I realized I'm not alone. God created us to live in community. And the first community we need to be part of is that communion with God through saying to Jesus, Jesus, I see you and I trust that you see me. Come into my life. Put that, put that ointment on my eyes, Jesus, to clear up my vision, to clear up my mind so I can see this world and I can more importantly see you clearly. When we find ourselves in a place where we couldn't care less about something, and perhaps we think that because of our own strength that we have no need for God, and we just don't care. If that describes you or any area of your life, you are at a dangerous place. But every crisis is a turning point for us. And you can make a decision today to turn around, to turn the corner, just turn toward Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Please come. I want to be hot for you. I don't want to be cold for you. And I certainly don't want to be lukewarm. You know, there's a word in here. The word for hot in this passage is zest. (laughs) We made fun last night about that. Old soap, zest, soap. And, and, and there's the, the, the old commercial for that is the guy in the shower. He's just dragging. He puts the zest up to his nose. And all of a sudden, he wakes up. Zest. God wants to do that in your life. I could stand here and I could say, God wants you to have zest in your life. Jesus loves you. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Jesus died on the cross to forgive us all our sins. I can't say that without getting excited. And even when I say it quietly, Jesus loves you. There's zest. God wants you to live life. Not survive this life. And God wants you not just to live in this life until you die and then there's nothingness. God wants you to to have the hope and the assurance that you will live life forever with Him (laughs) in glory. Well, let's move this along. Are you hot or cold for God? I have a sense... The Holy Spirit is saying to you, yes or no, or I don't know. And if you don't know whether you're hot or cold, that certainly is the time to say, Lord, teach me. So maybe that's your prayer today as you come, as we conclude. And you come and you say, Lord, I don't know what Pastor Roger's talking about. I haven't experienced it. 
But I'm willing to trust that I want to be hot for you, Jesus. (laughs) My question really is, do you even care? So come. As we sing and as we pray, you're online. Offer a prayer. We'll be glad to pray with you. Let's pray. Not to be cold. Not to be lukewarm. But to invite Jesus to warm us up. Take, let's take time. Let the Holy Spirit move among us as He's already been doing as we pray together. Let's stand together as I offer a prayer. The team comes. Father, here's the invitation. We're asking you, Jesus, to come and move in, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. Communicate, speak to us, Jesus, during this song. You're going to move some of us to come to the platform to just to kneel down and pray and say, Lord, I need you in my life. Come, forgive me for ignoring you. Forgive me for not caring. Forgive me for not paying attention. I will listen to you, Jesus. Come and teach me. Some of us have been has said that decision many years ago, but there are parts of our lives that we have been keeping them from you, and we didn't care that you told us how to do this part of our life, whether it's our marriage, our business, our finances, whatever it might be, our, our, our retirement fund. God, we've never asked you, what do you want me to do with this? And we've neglected that. Give us courage to confess our need for you. And pour your Holy Spirit upon us to speak to us comforting words, instructive words, and power to do what you say. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
Lord, today, as you've been moving among us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to do that as we leave this place today. The front area is still open if you want to come and pray. There are folks still at the prayer stations online. Our, our host will be around for another 15 or 20 minutes if you still need prayer. We're going to continue to worship uh, up here today. You can pray whenever you're ready to go. You can go. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today.